Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Good afternoon and welcome to Engage for Success Radio, show number 238, employee engagement within SMEs. We're going to be talking about the challenges that fast growth SMEs face when trying to address employee engagement as they grow. I'm Jo Dodds, your host for today. I'm a social engagement consultant working with the Engage for Success movement leading on digital. The Engage for Success movement is an inclusive movement committed to the idea that there's a better way to work by releasing more of the capability and potential of people at work. We spread the word about employee engagement and shine a light on good practice, and we're widely supported across the UK involving the public, private, and third sectors. If you go to our website, engageforsuccess.org, you can use the link at the top of the page to join our newsletter list. We usually mail out at the uh, weekend, uh, or certainly towards the end of the week, most weeks, uh, apart from uh, Christmas and all that sort of thing. Um, If you tweet, share your thoughts using our hashtag, which is E4S, that's with the number four, to join the conversation and come and join us in our LinkedIn group. If you just go to LinkedIn and search for Engage for Success, you should find us there. And all the social media links are at the top of the homepage. So my guest today is Steve Jones, who's MD of Skills for Business Training Limited. Welcome, Steve. Great to have you with us. Yeah, lovely, Joe. Thanks for inviting me. So start by telling us a bit about you and what you do. Okay, so my name's Steve Jones. I run a company called Skills for Business Training Limited. So um, my background was health and fitness management. So I was with Fitness First PLC when we had one club on the south coast. I left when we were the largest in the world. We did it in seven years. So the growth was really interesting, very fast growth. Um, And then I left and did some work in the SME world, which we'll come to in a second, helping companies grow, basically. And mm-hmm. what I started to notice was that um, when, companies, when companies grow fast, they tend to lose talent quite often because they, they lose sight of their initial purpose. Um, so I worked with Sherlaw's Business Coaching for a while, looking at their methodologies. They specialize in SME, and all their tools, technologies, and techniques work, mirrored perfectly the journey I'd had with Fitness First. So I had the toolkit and also the experience, but what I noticed was that this thing around leadership management seemed to not be there. So I started to look at leadership management, then I got involved with the task force team, basically, which you are well aware of, um, to look at engagement. And then I started designing engagement programs to take to the SME world so that as they grew, and they grew rapidly, they kept their talent and could attract talent. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that whole concept around um, SMEs and, and growth because um, I guess there's sort of different levels of SME. You've got people who you know sort of chug along at a certain level, and then you've got the, the as we said, um, we're going to be talking about today those you know those fast growth organisations that start small and, and end quite large in the end, and the sort of challenges along the way, which you know we'll talk about. So, so start by t- telling us how you define an SME and 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 certainly the ones that you that you work with. Yeah, well, an SME in my world, my definition is uh, less than 250 staff and less than 40 million turnover. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so you get the small business and you get the medium-sized businesses. And the companies I tend to end up working with are the companies that are growing rapidly, that are taking on staff, that suddenly um, it's gone from a small operation where everybody knew everybody to actually with people coming in expecting a career now and expecting the business to be different. And the owner yeah. has to change the way they operate and the way they think. 
Yes, yeah. So, and that I, I think that's sort of the sort of real defining difference as well. I mean, I think back to my um, corporate life. I'd worked with Staples when they first came to the UK, and you know, they they were really small when I went went to work with them but they were coming from a much bigger place and intending to end up very big which is obviously what they did so they they were sort of corporate masquerading as an SME at the very beginning yeah. <laughs> but the people you work with are the ones where they're they're small and they're sort of owner operated and there's quite a jump isn't there between you know when as you say you work with say 20 people and everyone knows everyone to to, to suddenly becoming this big organization where you need to you know, lead and, and manage in a in a in a different way, and you know that you're not going to be like a sort of ten thousand employee organisation with you know all that sort of paraphernalia as well. It's but it but that difference, it's a massive gap, isn't it, between that yeah. sort of ten twenty people and and two hundred and odd people. Um. So so what yeah. sort of challenges do they have? Uh, well, what what happens is as they grow, um, basically uh, you can uh, an owner and a manager can be in total control of his business up to about 50 staff, and then when you get beyond mm-hmm. 50 staff and five million turnover, suddenly you need a leadership team. Suddenly you need systems and processes, whereas before you didn't. It was very entrepreneurial, so they uh, it just requires a different mindset, a different way of thinking. And then you end up getting a leadership team that's kind of there's a bit of a vacuum between the business owner and the leadership team on skills. And typically in SME, uh, what you find is people don't get uh, don't get leadership training. They end up being promoted into leadership roles just by default, and then they have to be able to lead. And what they do is they revert to their experience of leadership, which is either good mm. or bad. Um, so the, the challenge then becomes, and also as you grow a company, they're usually all in the same in the same office, and then suddenly they grow and they expand. And then people are coming in to join the organisation that see it as a career path rather than just a family business, and, mm. and all sorts of things, challenges come in, and then they become they they start to to turn over more revenue, but are less profitable because of the inefficiencies in the organisation, and you get things like people who've grown up with the organisation. If someone's really good at a job, they get given all sorts of jobs. So when that person leaves, it's a massive great hole because no one knows really what that person did. So the roles yeah. and responsibilities aren't aren't clearly defined. Um, so you're recruiting, you know, the person. You have to design the role around the person. It should be you design the role and fit the person to the role. Um, mm. So you get things like that going on that cause all sorts of mayhem and inefficiencies in a fast growth organisation. And I guess you probably have sort of an interesting array of people who come into leadership roles in those sorts of organisations for sort of the reasons you've said that some people will be already in the organisation and sort of grow into the role or or end up in the role. Maybe you haven't grown into it but end up in it. And then presumably you're also attracting people in who have got management experience and are coming into quite a different type of organization for them perhaps they're coming from a, a corporate a bigger organization and, and they're coming into this family organization going through the, you know all this change yeah well it's really interesting you say that because when they come if anybody comes from a corporate world to an sme it's a different type of energy it's very seat of your pants uh, decision making um mm. there's not the structure that the, that the person from a corporate is used to the other challenge with business uh, with SME um, business is that quite often they're family businesses so family members get put in positions of authority uh, without mm. you know without the necessary skill sets um, and then you get obviously succession issues where the son will take over from the father um, 
as an example. So you get all sorts of dynamics going on that you don't typically get in a corporate environment. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, again, thinking back, this is bringing me bringing me back to my old life. <laughs> I joined a, quite a small organisation once as their first HR manager with the remit of putting in HR policies and procedures and recruitment processes and, you know, all that sort of, you know, boring old HR stuff. <laughs> and uh, the yeah. first six months was just horrendous because everyone was fighting against it, including the uh, the the chief executive because she didn't want to do processes and procedures either, even though that's what she recruited me to do. <laughs> but it yeah. was that you know, culture shock of a, a corporate person coming in, being asked to do corporate stuff in a family-run organization that had never really done the corporate piece, exactly as you've just said. Yeah, well, I think you're, you're right in what you say, because if someone leaves a corporate world to set up a business or they decide to set up a business, it's because they want to, be, to escape their corporate processes and procedures and have the freedom and entrepreneurship to do it the way they want to do it and you can grow a business to a certain size without these processes and procedures and then like you say you came in because they needed it but actually they didn't want it mm. they, they needed it not wanted it and it and you can't grow the business without systemizing it unfortunately because it just becomes mm. inefficient and unprofitable eventually mm. and you've talked about the whole sort of inefficiency piece um already so give us some examples of, of how that you know how that happens what 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 becomes inefficient and what needs to be put in place to to make that uh, work better yeah okay so i've given i've working with a, i work with a company that um were uh, about 35 million turnover 100 staff when i went to see them um and they worked in the defense industry so we were looking at um an employee engagement program but we couldn't actually start the employee engagement program because their systems and processes weren't robust Mm-hmm. Um, so what what you were walking into is staff that were struggling to deal with the day to day because they didn't have the capacity in the business to to deal with what they had to deal with. So talking about job satisfaction and employee engagement was like an alien concept to them because actually they were struggling just to get through the day because they didn't have enough resource to manage what they were doing. Mm. Um, and it was partly because they were under underutilized resource-wise staffing, but also because their systems and processes weren't robust. So we had to stop the employee engagement program and, and get the systems and processes right uh, so that they could actually then think about employee engagement. Uh, so it is quite interesting. Uh, and also the type of work they were... Because t- we talked about this thing before you and I about feast and famine. When the times weren't good, they were taking all sorts of inferior types low 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 paid jobs to keep the factory full so when they got the big jobs they couldn't they couldn't take them and run them as fast as they should do or take them at all so they had to be brave in their decision making around leaving the factory empty so that they could take these bigger jobs yeah so it it, yeah it really is quite a nightmare Uh, and they went from 100 staff to 220 staff so when they had 100 staff they knew everybody but when they had 220 staff Nobody knew their story. Nobody knew their history. No, you know, we talk about the the four enablers. We talk about the strategic narrative. They weren't telling their story. Staff were coming in. They assumed they knew their story, but they didn't. Mm. Um, so mm. when you want to, when you're trying to get engagement, you want people to know where the company's come from, where it is now, where it's going, and that was getting lost because they were too busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. What what did they actually do? What do you do differently there to to make that happen before you could, as you say, move on with with what you'd intended going in there for? 
well, it was very clear from the first session I ran, because I was working with the board and the senior management team. So we ran uh, the first couple of sessions just to see where are you now. And it was very clear that they had capacity issues in their organisation. So the very next session was um, how do you start to systemise your business? How do you put processes into your organisation? How do you refine what you do? Um, and then I had to leave them to get on with doing that and set the process in motion. And then when, and then also look at the type of work they were taking and being brave about the type of work they took in so they had the breathing space to get the systems right and bring the right work in. Mm. So that was the first thing we had to do before we could even begin to look at the engagement. And how? what period of time did they go from that 100 to 200 and odd employees that you talked about? Oh, two or three years. So it's quite rapid. Oh. They were in the yeah. defence industry winning these contracts because they were specialists at sorting problems out. That's what they were. They, they mm. were good even if a tank broke down or a plane broke down or a boat broke down. They would go in and sort out how to fix it. So mm. they were in demand quite a bit and also the other thing we looked at is broadening their market so they weren't so dependent on the defense industry because they were technically brilliant if you look at the Simon Sinek stuff which is their purpose and their why which we did look at uh, they were brilliant at solving technical problems therefore they could take that and they could use it in other industries didn't have to just be yeah. the defense industry so yeah. we started to get better quality work um, and there wasn't a, there wasn't an over dependence on the defense industry mm. It's interesting listening to this as an example and thinking about their challenges and what they did and then thinking about engagement in sort of larger corporates. Does it naturally sort of enable you to be more holistic in what you deliver in an SME because it's smaller and and it, what you're doing is so connected, as you say, to things like the purpose of the organisation and so on? I'm just thinking that when you're with big corporates and you do employee engagement you know, workshops or programs or whatever you're still very often really divorced from you know the the, the very yeah, senior are. team or the team that does the strategy or the team that does the marketing or whatever whereas in a SME you're, you're much more able to look at the whole organization is that yeah it, that's that's a fair comment I mean basically I'm very fortunate whenever anybody asks me to come and work with them they've already got an appetite for the engagement uh, they mm. just don't know they've tried they've probably failed and they want mm. just to look at how you do it, but they are agile. You know, you, you've got an agile mm. organisation that can can make decisions fast, can change their dynamic. They're everything a corporate wants to be and can't be. And mm. Uh, mm. the SME looks at corporate and they're everything they want to be and can't be. It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so, yeah. <laughs> but they are we, you know, we talk... to be... Sorry. Yeah, carry on, carry on. I was going to say, you know, we talk about, you know, engagement being a, a business... Um, issue you know that it's not hr but of course in big corporates that tend to have you know hr and uh, organizational development departments it tends to get sort of shoved to, to them to be responsible for it which then makes it doubly difficult to sort of get it happening across the whole organization i guess when you're in a small organization that doesn't necessarily have that hr person you know you, you automatically have that advantage that it is the whole organization yeah, well, you do come across this issue where HR have to justify, because it seems soft and fluffy and why should we do it? Um, 
So you have to be quite clear, actually, this is a strategic decision, if you're going to do this. And one of the things we had to make sure we did in this organisation I was just been talking about was that every manager had to be seen to take to be taken this seriously. And if they weren't, uh, the staff would look at the weakest link and say, well, they're not doing it, so we're not going to. So you have to have that seriousness around it and that purpose around it. And it can't be seen as just another HR initiative. Otherwise, it loses mm. its, uh, its, its value. It has to be part mm. of the strategic um, direction. So yeah, yeah. it's a fair point you make. So in our... Um, um, and I have... Carry yeah, on, we've got, we've got a delay, so I'll wait till you finish off. <laughs> no, no, you carry on. That's all right. So in the information we put out about what we're going to be talking about today, we mentioned your award-winning employee engagement program for SMEs. So tell us a bit more about that and tell us tell us why it's award-winning or, or what the award was anyway. <laughs> okay, so basically I took the four enablers that um, were part of the Engage for Success findings, so strategic narrative, engaging managers, employee voice and um, integrity. And I just built a program for SMEs around that really. Um, and I just played first of all with the accountancy firm that I, was one of my clients just said can I come and play with your business and it was interesting with their company at the time because um, the original, he originally left one of the big four because he felt that he could add more value to entrepreneurs um, but as he grew his organisation he lost sight of his original purpose so we we got him back to his purpose which is you know, making entrepreneurs great was his purpose um, so that was the strategic narrative. And then you have the story, you know, behind where the business has come from. So most um, SMEs will start in a back bedroom or a small office or something, and it will grow into uh, an SME empire. So they have the story. They've got the war stories to tell. And then what's usually lacking is a three-year vision. They know where they are now, but they, the three-year vision is the thing that I tend to work on with them. So we look at where, you know, what's the organisation going to look like in three years' time and what needs to happen uh, over the next year and the next two years. So we I work from three years back. So in two years, what will look like and one year, what will look like and where are you now and what do you need mm-hmm. to do? And then I then I build a one-year we build a one-year plan around who what we need to do, who's going to take responsibility for it and what needs to happen. So um, there's clear reporting processes around what's agreed that the actions will be over the next year to drive employee engagement or the strategy of the organisation. So that's that's the first bit. The second bit is, as you quite rightly say, people get put in, you know, people get put into leadership roles, and they either got, they either have the skills or they don't. So giving them a leadership program, which gives them a toolkit, so that they can understand how to lead and manage and work with individuals within the organisation to get the best out of them. So that's kind of like a four or five day piece, and then um, employee voice, you know. And that's about communication. How do you get people to communicate, uh, step up, take ownership, uh, give ideas? So we look at a lot in, in those areas and how do you get staff to contribute? And then the final piece is the integrity, so the values. Um, do they have a set of values and are, you know, how are you going to evidence them on a day-to-day basis? So we look at, you know, are you catching people doing them, living them, breathing them? And it's much easier in SME to demonstrate that and see it. So it's not rocket science, really. It's just focusing on those four areas. And I did it with, obviously, my accountants first, and they won a National Accountancy Award three years running for um, employee engagement and growth. 
and then they referred me to their best client, which is the one I t- talked to you about earlier, and they went through the program, and they won um, the Southern Region, first of all, the Southern Region Fastest Growth with, with Taking Your Staff With You kind of award, and then they were up for the Lloyds Bank, I think it was Company of the Year. Um, and it's all about getting the discretionary effort of the staff, because once you get the staff all going in the right direction and all contributing, all sorts of manner of things start to happen in a very positive way that impact bottom line in a positive way and the growth of the organization. So it yeah. was, I mean, I didn't, I had no idea whether it was going to work to be honest with you when I started out, but we've had some really good successes with it. And if we were to go to those organizations and talk to the employees about whatever this process had been that they may or may not be aware of, do you think they'd, they'd understand the concept of employee engagement or is it something that is sort of the output for them but they don't see it as a program or, or, or as a particular defined, um, you know, thing for, for them? You know, employee yeah. engagement is something that we talk about all the time, but does it mean anything to employees is, is probably what I'm asking, particularly, you know, in small organisations. Yeah, it does because we put it as part of the strategy. So it would go into the, you know, the, one of the things about employee voice is communicating to employees. So go through the newsletter. These are the four areas we're looking at, you know. So the vision would be explained uh, fully through, throughout the organisation. Leadership programs would be going on, uh, coaching and mentoring, uh, all those sort of things, and good appraisal processes would be would be being put into the workplace. And the, the frame it would for, for, follow the four four enablers and they would be aware of the four enablers because we were doing exercises around the four enablers to yeah. make sure that they realize what you know what, this all, this is all going on for a reason this is the reason why it's the four enablers so they yeah. would have a clear understanding yeah this is what employee engagement is mm-hmm. and um the oh, I've just I was going to say the employee voice what were the um the sort of mechanisms to enable voice within the organisations. What, what specific? You've just mentioned a newsletter. What, what other, uh, you know, routes to, to enable that voice did, did you take? Uh, well, there's several. I use, you know, I use motivational mapping. So we look at the individual's motivations. There's nine different motivations in the workplace. So we look at their motivations, work out which motivations. Uh, and then we can design reward strategies around those motivations, and that's really good. It helps managers lead as well because they can understand the motivations of the different staff. It's not all about the money. Some people want to contribute. Some people want to be creative. Some people just want to do a nine-to-five and go home. So there's different motivations at play. So we have to understand those first. The second thing was we did the you said we we did quite often what happens is people make suggestions or they they have a um, employee engagement survey and the actions they take on the employee engagement survey uh, are never explained so uh, companies take actions as a result of an employee engagement survey and people wonder what's going on but if you can link it back to this is what you wanted this is what we've done and also, if you have um, full contribution from the staff, they'll make suggestions. And it's, it's, it's as important for an organization to say, this is why we didn't do it, and this is the reason we didn't do it, as to this is your suggestion was good, and this is what we've done. So having the we said, you, you, you said we did process is pretty important. So they can see that their ideas are, are getting listened to, adopted, or there's an explanation as to why they haven't been adopted. So it gets that flow going. 
um, of ideas. Uh, and also you have to remove the blame culture. That's the other thing that has to happen in order for all of this to work is make sure that there's no, that there's no blame culture. And how do you do that? Um, it's just basically um, it's an education piece There's, I've got a simple diagram I use to explain it, it goes on the wall and when people are pointing the fingers at other people actually you go to the, the, the no blame diagram which is on the wall and if you're pointing the finger, there's only th- th- if you're blaming, there's only three people you can blame. You can blame yourself, you can beat yourself up, or you can uh, blame others, or you can blame circumstances. Now, if you took all those three things away, if you weren't allowed to beat yourself up, and if you weren't allowed to blame others, and you weren't allowed to blame circumstances, you're only left with one thing you can do, and that's learn from the situation. Uh, and if you learn, you grow. If you're blaming, you basically are on a downward spiral. So as soon as people start blaming, they just point the diagram, okay, are you learning or are you just blaming? And then you can move forward. So it's a simple tool you can stick on the wall uh, and, and it tells people where they're living their lives. Are they living their lives in the blame space or the learning space? Um, and it has a bit of a powerful impact. Yeah, yeah, that's, that just sounds really simple, but as you say, really, um, you know, really enlightening for people and makes it, I guess, easier to understand and, and, and take action. <laughs> So well, we're just can, yeah, the last you can five minutes of the show. Um, tell us what SMEs can do. So you know, I don't know, three top tips that you, that you would say that um, people can take away from today. Okay, well, get clear on your purpose. Don't focus on the money because if you focus on the money, bad things happen. Get clear on your, you know, why did you set your business up and make sure that message is communicated and people join your organisation for that reason. And you get the culture set up right. And then be aware that your business is going to change as, as it grows. So just be mindful that actually it's not going to be the same all the time. So be aware of those shifts in energy and changes. And I think possibly the third one is, you know, think strategically. Make sure you have a three-year vision that includes your staff in that vision. Yeah, yeah. And is there a lot of change when people grow in terms of, the people you start with are not the people you need in the end. I mean, do you find turnover happens either yeah. naturally or intentionally? Yeah, yeah, that's very true because the type of entrepreneur that starts a business isn't always the type of entrepreneur that should continue when it gets a certain size, and there's quite a lot of pain associated with that. And also, people, yeah. you, uh, when you start a business, you rely on a lot on friends and help and stuff, and people have been with you a long time, and sometimes those people end up holding you back. So that's a very valid point, and you have to be able to mm. manage that. I thought it was interesting your point about um, you know that that one person that's taken on thirty five different jobs that um, you'd never find in another organisation, <laughs> but they've just sort of yeah. kept adding to them to their to their portfolio, which as you say is then completely impossible to replace with just one person in the future. Yeah, well you give it to a busy person and that busy person leaves and then you're in you know you're in the muck then aren't you because you don't know how yeah. to replace them. So design the role and fit the person to the role. Systems run business yeah. and people run systems. So you have to remember, get the system right, then fit the person to the system. Yes, yeah, yeah. Lovely. Well, um, it's been great talking to you, and um, we could probably carry on for, for much longer with uh, further examples and, and so on, but uh, we're coming to the end of the, the show now. Um, how, how can people find out more about you? Um, you can go to my website, which is all the W's, uh, skills, S-K-I-L-L-S, or F-O-R, business training.co.uk 
Um, and on there you'll you'll find about me, but also there's my link to my Facebook and my Twitter and my LinkedIn on there as well. Lovely. So uh, people can uh, go and find out. And I presume there's something about the, the SME program there as well. Um, there probably is. I, I don't overly rely on my website, I have to say. It's more <laughs> um, by referral. So it's there. Excellent. It's not so the best website up. in the world. It's about people, isn't it? <laughs> It is. It's about engagement, not looking at websites. <laughs> That's my excuse. <laughs> no, exactly. Lovely. Well, thank you, Steve. Really appreciate you joining us today. Joe, thank you for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. So just to let you know, next week, Joe Moffat will be back, and she'll be here with Cathy Brown, who, as I'm sure you know, is our exec director, and they're going to be talking about putting people at the heart of business. So we'll catch you again next week. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.